Gather round, gather round. Today on History Time, we're going back to the 80s. So grab your aviators, those really awesome short shorts, your PR24, put on some logins, and uh, don't forget to bring Daddy Bull and Baby Bull. That's fucking right. We're talking about LAPD Crash. Welcome to the first episode of History Time. I'll be your host. Uh, so this is going to be my first foray. Please let me know what you think about this as a uh, as an episode option. I'm trying to kind of fill the dead space between guests with the history of law enforcement. Uh, I think it's something that needs to be covered. Um, it's something that, honestly, you just don't get enough of it in the academy. If you get any of it in college, it's in like a specialized course or maybe as a, a, a chapter in one of your criminal justice courses. Um, but it's not not something you get a lot of. By no means is this going to be uh, collegiate or academic in nature. I'm not that boring. At least I try not to be. I basically just have notes on my phone. So just the way I do it with my guests, it's not scripted. I just It's a bullet point thing. And uh, uh, I'm just going to hit the points. And however long the episode lasts, the episode lasts. So uh, working on a handful of things, this episode, all about LAPD crash. Uh, in the future, I've got episodes of uh, Frank Hamer and Manny Galt, uh, who took out uh, Bonnie and Clyde. I've got, uh, uh, who else do I have? Melvin Purvis, uh, John Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd, Babyface Nelson, uh, the Pinkerton Detective Agency's Sheriff Ralph Lamb uh, up in um uh, Nevada there who, who combated the mob, uh, in Las Vegas, Elliot Ness, the untouchables, uh, uh, the London metropolitan police department, the Bow street runners. So we're going to go, we're going to go way back. You and me, uh, we're going to take this little trip down history lane together. Uh, but to start with today, let's go ahead and discuss more about crash. Now crash is something that it's got its own, it's got its own negative connotations. And I think it's, not a lot of people are aware of it nowadays. Uh, Crash was was disbanded quite some time ago, right at the start of the early 2000s or so. But they had a negative uh, view, even from, from other officers. It was a unit uh, uh, unique to the Los Angeles Police Department, maybe not necessarily unique in their mission uh, and when we get into to what they were designed for. Um, but when when people talked about Crash, there was almost this... Like some people had this like holier than now, like put them on a pedestal. Holy shit. These guys are, are, are legit. Um, and a lot of people, uh, the media, the citizens, in L uh, some of the citizens at LAPD uh, and some e even some L.A. officers uh, had negative opinions of, of what Crash was doing and the way that they were going about uh, doing it. So uh, basically Crash started out in 1979 uh, as Trash or the total... Uh, total resources against street hoodlums. And it was started by then assistant chief uh, Lou Sporer. Now trash was renamed to crash because uh, here's a shocking uh, tidbit of information. The fucking citizens didn't like that. These officers were called the trash unit and they were coming and arresting um, these, these residents, these, these citizens of Los Angeles granted uh, crash or the community resources against street hoodlums crashes stated functions were to combat gang violence, gun violence, uh, and narcotics trafficking. Pretty standard law enforcement practices, guys, um, and, and, and pretty honorable and, and work that needs to be done. But we'll see how 
some people went like they went down the, the wrong rabbit hole, right? And there was corruption, uh, potential involvement with some pretty high profile uh, uh, murders that took place. So it, it crash while it lasted, it had a good run, um, but it it didn't end very well. And I am not, I am not, not, not going to paint crash officers with this broad brush. Um, I don't like it when people do that to us now in the media um, and, you know, the news, social media, whatever the case may be. Because um, if you're a cop, you know that, yeah, there are asshole cops out there, but there's assholes in every, every job ever. There's, I had I had an asshole college professor. He thought I was an asshole as a student. Um, you know, I've, I've worked construction. I've run into some real dickheads on construction sites. Um, I've run into some real jackasses at car washes and coffee shops. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to get too far off into the weeds there. We're going to circle back back on track here. I can't believe I'm a circle back guy. I just said that, didn't I? Oh, Jesus. Anyways, um, so trash and then crash was started in the uh, 77th street division by then assistant chief Lou Spohr. Uh, and it began as a project to combat gang violence in what is now called East LA. What was then South central, right? The stuff that, that movies have been made out of. Uh, and indeed crash had its, its time in the limelight, um, with the movie colors, um, both, uh, Sean Penn and, uh, my sergeant's going to kick my ass because I can't remember the, I can see his face clear as a day. Somebody's screaming at their radio right now or, or as they listen to this podcast because I can't remember um, uh, that actor's name, but uh, they were crash officers. Uh, and I've interviewed a crash officer on this show, actually, uh, who uh, uh, was a Detective Moses Castillo, retired Detective Moses Castillo, was a crash officer for a short time, uh, I think back in the early 90s there. So um, 77th, Street, 77th Street Crash, um, was a combined organization of uh, uniformed officers as well as plain clothes, uh, plain clothes intelligence officers. Um, and, and their whole job was to gather information on the gangs in their areas. Each of LAPD's 18 divisions had a crash unit. Uh, there was a total of about 300 officers uh, within crash. And uh, each unit within each division was was basically to gather intelligence on the gangs in the area and then take enforcement action. Uh, they had a lot of freedom and a lot of leeway, which did lead to uh, plenty of complaints and uh, controversies. So uh, one, one thing that you, you, know, you read about a little bit is this Operation Hammer in April of 1988. Uh, there was a, a drive-by shooting that uh, led to uh, the death of, of seven people and Operation Hammer uh, was then sort of the immediate response by LAPD, which led to uh, 1,453 people being arrested in one weekend. I I know some cops who have put a shitload of people in handcuffs. I don't know that my agency has put 1,400 people in handcuffs like in a year. We might get close to it, but but to have almost 1,500 people arrested in one weekend in one city uh, is just mind-boggling. Uh, each each person arrested was uh, said to have had a valid warrant, um, but uh, there was a lot of accusations of, of racial profiling, uh, specifically of African-American and, and Hispanic gang members. Um, 
you know, you, you, when you read about Operation Hammer, you don't read about uh, Hell's Angels or Aryan Brotherhood guys getting put away. So I, I'm just stating the facts. I don't have an opinion on it one way or another. I wasn't there in 1988. I wasn't even alive yet. Um, ultimately, Crash was uh, dissolved in the year 2000 um, due to uh, the Rampart scandal, sort of the famous, infamous, actually, Rampart scandal, uh, which happened in, in 19, uh, 1997. Uh, and you had, uh, in 1998, uh, Officer Brian Hewitt, Crash Officer Brian Hewitt, was suspended for uh, beating and choking a suspect who was refusing to uh, basically snitch. So we've all run across people who uh, just aren't going to talk to us and aren't going to give up information. And if you didn't know, it's it's wrong to beat them for information. That's like shit that's against a lot of really good rules and a lot of really good laws. So don't be that guy because then 20 years from now, I'm going to be doing a History Time episode on your ass. In August of 98, uh, Officer Rafael Perez, uh, this is kind of where you, you get into the serious shit. So Rafael Perez was arrested for stealing six pounds of cocaine from LAPD's evidence lockup. Um, there, was a, uh, there was a mistrial, but multiple people came forward to report additional instances of, of Rafael Perez stealing cocaine. He would uh, take the cocaine that he stole and then resell it and ended up making, I think, a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, selling this evidence coke. Um, he ended up, uh, bargaining for like partial immunity, uh, by testifying against 70 additional crash officers about police misconduct, uh, where they were beating, uh, gang members, uh, covering up, uh, police involved shootings, officer involved shootings, uh, planning evidence. 58 officers were, uh, IA'd over it, uh, IA or internal affairs, um, sometimes now referred to as a professional standards section or professional standards bureau. Uh, basically, the the investigators who handled discipline within the department. Um, so 58 officers were IA'd. Uh, of the 58, five were fired, seven uh, resigned in lieu of termination, and uh, 12 more were ultimately suspended. Um, Rafael Perez ended up also confessing to framing an 18th street gang member named uh, Javier Avando, um, who in some sort of odd, uh, <laughs> Javier Avando uh, and, and Rafael Perez's involvement is pretty fucked up. Javier uh, Avando was in his apartment when uh, Perez and his partner, uh, Nino Durden, entered Avando's apartment, claimed he had a gun and shot him. You got to remember, it's 1990, what 1997, somewhere around there, 1998, uh, long before body cameras. I kind of go back and forth. I I've always enjoyed my body camera. I haven't known a career without it. Um, sometimes you get frustrated though when you're in court and oh well, it's not on body camera because your body camera is looking straight ahead and maybe you turned your head to the left or the right, saw whatever cued you in on, you know, whatever criminal action and cued you in on taking, uh, thus far taking enforcement action. And you sit there and go, well, for hundreds of years, cops did their jobs 
all over the world without body cameras, why can't it, it's getting to the point where I can no longer testify to something that doesn't show up on a body camera. I'm going to end up wearing a fucking like 360 cam on my head uh, the next time I go back to patrol. Uh, or I'm going to have like a Blade Runner 2049 when he's got the little drone that pops out of the back of his car. We cannot be that far away from each of us having our own personal drones with like a wide angle lens or a fisheye lens. And all it does is follow us and watch us. Um, we, we can't be that far away. This would have been a situation though, where uh, the body camera uh, or a lack of the body cameras use uh, would have, would have been helpful uh, for uh, Ovando because they Durden and Perez bust into his apartment, shoot him, which caused him to be paralyzed from the waist down. And then they plant a fucking gun on him and he gets sentenced to 23 years in prison. What, like he's a gang member who was just sitting in his apartment. Like, so the fuck what you don't just bust through somebody's door and shoot him and end up paralyzing him. Um, like I can't even begin to wrap my head around what those guys were, th were, were thinking. Uh, I, I know a guy who, uh, who was a, uh, county LA County deputy during the trials that were taking place, um, who, uh, uh, described Rafael Perez as the biggest piece of shit that he'd ever met in his entire life. Uh, and that was 20 some odd years ago. And, uh, he still feels that way. So that's somebody I trust. I'm going to take his word for it. I've never met Rafael Perez, but, uh, he sounds like he did some pretty fucked up things. Um, uh, Ovando's Conviction was overturned after Perez's admission uh, of framing him. Uh, Javier Avando was then subsequently awarded $15 million by the city of Los Angeles, but that doesn't give him his legs back. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a really sad situation, and you sit there and you go, like, these are the assholes who make us look bad by, by their actions, uh, you know, trying to... To, to frame this dude for something that, that he didn't do. Um, uh, I just, I just don't get it. Like, you know, uh, you go into a guy's apartment, you shoot him, you paralyze him. And you know what? Rafael Perez, uh, rolls over on a bunch of other crash officers to bring his conviction down. He admits to, to shooting, uh, or to framing rather Javier Avando and Nino Durden gets a five-year sentence and he serves three years of it. And then he's paroled come on guys you're not you're not helping the rest of us out and that was that was 23 years ago still angry about it um perez was ultimately found guilty of uh, stealing and reselling uh the cocaine and it was actually i think it was it was eight hundred thousand dollars worth of cocaine um perez went down some like i said crash went down some rabbit holes and it's like perez was like choo-choo leading the fucking train um Suge Knight of Death Row Records liked to hire crash officers as armed security, and that would be their off-duty gig. Uh, probably something that was pretty cool. Oh, shit, hey, I'm going to go work for Death Row Records on my off time. I'm going to make a ton of money uh, being armed security for uh, these these really famous like rappers. I get to meet famous people, like take pictures with them. Uh, that, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, however, what's not cool is potentially being in the uh, being involved in the death of uh, Christopher Wallace, uh, Biggie, right? The notorious B.I.G. Yeah, so Biggie's murder uh, was said to be like too well set up 
to have been just a, any old gang drive-by. And so it's been long suspected that Rafael Perez was involved um, with Biggie's death. Um, they've got photographs of Perez uh, flashing like Bloods gang signs. Um, Suge Knight was known to be associated with the Bloods. Uh, but it should be noted that that Perez's involvement with... Uh, with Biggie's death was never actually proven. It was just something that was suspected, but it's one of those, one of those things like, bro, you, you stole a shitload of co of cocaine. You sold it for nearly a million dollars on the street. You broke into a guy's apartment for no apparent reason, shot him, paralyzed him. Um, and you are, uh, very, very closely associated, uh, with an organization that is very, very closely associated with the death of the notorious B.I.G. Circumstantial, but like, eh, you know, you start to lean that direction. I don't think you can you can help to kind of formulate a little bit of bias there. Um, and and so you know, it's it's the Rampart scandal. It's it's the death of Biggie Smalls. It's a whole lot of things, big and small. Um, I'll see what I did there. Uh, that led to the ultimate uh, dissolution of Crash. I think Crash started out with a pretty noble cause. And indeed, units like Crash still exist to this day under under different names, right? You've got gun violence enforcement teams. You've got gang units. You've got narcotics units. Um, you've got neighborhood response teams or neighborhood enforcement teams. And I think that it's important to keep those specialized units uh, around with, with the additional training they get and the additional capabilities they have they, they bring a lot to the table, especially when you've got an area like Los Angeles that has a strong and storied and bloody history of gang violence. You need a unit dedicated to tackling that. You, patrol can only do so much. You've got patrol officers. I can only imagine what the CAD system for LAPD looks like. It must just look like, like the old-timey, like, medieval time scrolls that you just keep unrolling and it like goes down the staircase out the front door and into the next field four miles down uh, like your patrol staffing is already shit and then you're gonna you're gonna take away specialty units and say oh and by the way on top of answering your calls for service on top of being proactive well maybe not being proactive too much anymore um but that's a different topic for a different podcast um on top of watching out for traffic violations. Now I also want you to be focused in on the gang violence, the gun violence, and the narcotics trades in your areas, which any good beat cop should be cued in on those. But if I'm on a DV call for three hours, and then I have to go and book somebody at the county jail, which takes forever in a day, um, I can't combat gang violence because I'm busy doing other things. And so you've got to have these specialty details with these officers who are extremely dedicated, right? They have to interview and test for these positions or, or they're shoulder tapped uh, or they're recruited into these positions because of their skills, capabilities, and knowledge. Um, they, they truly are an asset to not only their agency, but it's important to understand, those of you who are not law enforcement officers, that these specialized units are assets to you and to your community, but that it has to be done right. 
Uh, I had a conversation with a, a dude at the uh, Sheraton swimming pool in Kauai. Um, he had got to talking inevitably. Hey, what do you do for work? What do you do for work? He found out I was a cop and he had, he had some questions. Um, and, and he, uh, had it, you know, was upfront with me that he, Hey, I used to be like, kind of like anti-cop, like not really anti-cop, but like, Hey, like militarization and this, that, and the other thing he goes. And once somebody sat there and explained it to me, then I started to get it. And it's important that we as agencies continue to do that. And if we're going to launch these specialized units, I think the public should kind of have a right to know about it. We don't need to give them the keys to the castle. We don't need to show them our side of, uh, of the chess. Well, that's not a very good, I was going to say our side of the chessboard, but you can, you can see the chessboard when you're playing it. We're not going to show them our side of battleship. How's that sound? Um, but it's important that, that they know that these specialty specialty units are out there and what they're designed to do. That way they can't come back and say, oh, well, you're only coming after the people in this neighborhood. It is a neighborhood response team. It is dedicated to that neighborhood. And I don't know, maybe because your neighborhood happens to be the epicenter of all gang violence in a given city or the epicenter of the drug trade in a given city. Yeah, you're going to see heavier police involvement there. Uh, but again, it has to be done right. And things like body cameras uh, and things like education for officers who can, you know, who maybe didn't know a whole lot about crash. And I talked for like uh, 17 minutes about about crash and gave you a very, very, very brief uh, summary of their history. But maybe you can hear that and go, oh, yeah, it is a bad idea to steal cocaine and it is a bad idea to uh, potentially be involved with the Bloods and potentially be involved with the death of one of the most well-known rappers uh, of the 1990s. And it is, oh, it's also a bad idea to break into somebody's apartment uh, illegally, uh, enter somebody's apartment, and then shoot them and paralyze them. That's also a really bad idea. Uh, hopefully, if you're wearing a badge or you're testing for an agency, you already knew that. But if you didn't, I'm here to help you. Um we shouldn't, we should still have units like crash. We shouldn't completely disband, uh, specialty details that handle things like gang enforcement. Uh, if the gangs didn't exist, we wouldn't need the specialty details. So as a community member, you can kind of take two routes. You can say, you know what, I'm going to do my best to educate, you know, my kids, right? You can only handle your little three foot world, right? You can only do so much in your little area. Um, but you can educate yourself and educate your neighbors, on, hey, these are the issues that we're having in our community. What can we do about it? And then try to work with the police department. There, there's a pretty great scene in Colors where there's a community meeting that kind of just devolves into a pissing match. Um, and it's important for, for the citizens in a given area, and it's important for the police officers in a given area, and, and the administrative staff or the people who are maybe going to host these community meetings to uh, not allow... Uh, not allow them to, to devolve into this just, no, you listen, no, you listen. Uh, that's not going to be helpful. So uh, there's your short little history on, on crash 20, looking at my little timer here. It's a 23 minute episode. Um, let me know what you think. Um, I'm sure there are a ton of stories and details that, that I'm missing out on. Uh, I would like to interview a crash officer solely about, crash because like that's where you're going to get the most details you can only get so much uh from a quick google search um and and squeeze it in to a 20 to 30 minute episode so 
um, that's going to be pretty much, uh, pretty much it for the LAPD crash episode. Um, uh, I would appreciate some feedback on, on story time and history time, certain things like, uh, like the formation formation of the London Metropolitan Police Department. That's going to be multiple episodes because the Met goes back into the 1800s. And then even before that, you've got the Bow Street Runners. They'll be their own episode. Um, uh, so, you know, depending on the topic, I, I may have a full 30 minutes or I may have multiple 30 minute episodes. But when I get super specific into like the North Hollywood shootout or, or this episode here with LAPD crash, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Pinkertons may be one or two episodes. I don't know, but the more, the more specific I get into a topic, the shorter the episode will be. So let me know what you think. If you want it to be longer, uh, shorter, if I talked too fast, if I didn't talk about enough, hit me up on uh, Instagram uh, at blue line millennial or send me an email blue line millennial at gmail.com. I do check my email so far. None of you have emailed me. Just say, Hey, just email me. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Um, I will respond to you. Uh, or you can send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you think. I would really appreciate the feedback. Um, it is nine o'clock at night. It's been a hell of a long day. Uh, I do appreciate each and every one of you for still listening. Uh, I got nothing else, guys. That's it. That's LAPD crash in a very, very, very small nutshell. Uh, so if you have something that you want me to cover on history time, uh, please let me know and, uh, and we'll get it done and we'll get it going. Uh, stay tuned. I'm going to keep these going as long as you guys like them. Uh, with that, I'm going to be signing off guys. Stay safe and I'll see you on the road.